Welcome to the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast, where excuses aren't tolerated and results are earned through authenticity, vulnerability, and a commitment to excellence. My name is Amber Furman, success architect, attorney, and NLP trainer. If you're ready to bitch slap the bully in your brain, overcome the bullshit that holds you back, and design the life and success you've always wanted, then it's time for you to break your bullshit box and step into designing life and success on your terms. Welcome back to another episode of the Break Your Bullshit Box podcast. I had so much fun recording this episode with Rosalind Warren. She's an intuitive wealth and abundance coach for soul-led CEOs. She's an author and founder of Sacred Life Mastery Art. She guides conscious visionaries and entrepreneurs already creating steady income in their business who know they haven't begun to scratch the surface of what they're capable of to break through six figures and beyond while eliminating the stress and overwhelm. She's a number one best-selling author of four books, and she's hosted several summits and been on guests on other summits, podcasts, and other shows. I had so much fun with Rosalind, and this episode went in so many different places. We talked about goal setting and trauma associated with that. We talked about spirituality and religion and what it looks like to have a spirituality practice. We talked about how to really start to understand when we decided what we could or couldn't have. And it was right down the alley of what I know you guys love. So I'm really excited to bring it to you. Before we dig into her episode, I still have a few spots left on the Break Your Bullshit Box Academy. When I say that this is the lowest investment this will ever be offered at, I promise you that's true. I get asked a lot of times by people, is this just a sales technique and you're going to offer it again at this price again? And I can promise you the answer is no. Integrity is so important to me. And if I say that it's the last time it'll be this low, I promise you it is. Then the Break Your Bullshit Box Academy is a place for you to start to understand your success mindset, be able to redefine that success mindset and be able to create what it is that you want in 2024 and beyond. The program is going to include not only a course with pre-recorded modules that are going to be released to you, it's also going to include nine weeks of an online community with Q&A and access to me. And the first 10 people that sign up actually get some coaching with me as well. So all of that, if you are interested, is available for less than $1,000, $797 for the first 10 people that enroll. And there are still some spots available. So before those spots disappear, go over to successdevelopmentsolutions.com, either grab your spot in the course, or if you need more information, book a call with me. I promise you that you can have everything you want in life once we get your bullshit out of the way. And with that being said, let's jump into this episode with Roz. Roz, thank you so much for coming on the show with me. I'm so excited. I am thrilled to be here. You know, one of the things immediately pops out when you jumped on the call and we started connecting because overreaching, we find that a lot of business coaches and a lot of people that are in the coaching industry, they they accomplish the same thing, which is that fulfillment, that um, success, that illusion of whatever it is we're creating, but we all do it differently. And I always love connecting with people that have the lightness and um, 
connected, grounded spirituality. You know, we were talking about things and you were talking about moon phases and I just laughed because if, if you're the spiritual side, I'm the bulldozer and that's not always the good thing to have. So I love when I can bring people on that can bring that softer side that my audience is not going to get from me in any circumstance. So I'm super, super excited to have you here. And I'm really, really intrigued to dig into what we're gonna talk about today. Perfect, well, I am thrilled. And uh, I love the name of your podcast and your, you. and your whole thesis here. And um, while I do bring in the whole source and we're flowing with Mother Earth. We no longer have to hustle and, and strain over everything like we did have to do in the past. But times mm -hmm. have shifted and changed. However, one of the definitions people give of me is, oh, yeah, she's got that mother bear energy. Yes. Because I am fierce mm -hmm. around things like, that's BS. Yes. Get over I it. Stop. And I, I love that you said that because I think people often mistake softness for a lack of intensity and fierceness. And it's completely different. Like yeah. it's the quiet ones you have to watch out for most of the time. <laughs> it's the soft ones that you get to watch out for most of the time. And interestingly enough, the points in my life that I have felt the strongest were actually the parts in my life where I was less um, type A, if that's the best way to put it, <laughs> where I started to, people who know me might be a little surprised. I tend to have a control streak. So I'm sure that nobody's shocked to hear that. And it's those moments that you acknowledge that mm. something bigger than you is at play yeah. and that we are responsible for everything and only in control of so much mm -hmm. that you start to feel that grounded and peace. Yeah. So I love, I, I love where this is going in your bio. They heard a lot about who you are and what you're building. What I would like to know is from Raza's perspective, when you, I just talked to somebody about how the most, powerful language or the powerful words in the English language are I am because everything that comes after that is an identity statement. Mm -hmm. So who is Roz? Who are you? I am an absolutely magnificent being. Mm. And the power in that is that I can say it with 100% humility. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I absolutely think I butter all the bread in the world. I am the top banana. And it was absolutely not always like that. I was, you know, less than I, you and I would probably be running neck and neck for the ruler of the controlling the world. <laughs> And it just, it doesn't work out. Mm -mm. It, how do we kill our adrenals? By trying to control the world. And that, that surrendering 
And what I find is amazing is, and I often say this to all my clients, the only thing on earth that I can control is my alignment mm -hmm. with my soul, source energy, my purpose, and my mission. In other words, it is a full-time job for me to stay in my own lane. I have yeah. time to worry about what these people are doing and what these people are saying. And I ought to go over there and straighten them out. And I really ought to pull a knot in my husband's head. And yeah, no, I don't have, I don't have the bandwidth for that because mm -hmm. I'm concerned with where am I? And that's yeah. where peace comes in because peace is a feeling and our feelings are our emotional, they're our guides. And when you don't feel good or something feels bad, that's if you're old enough to remember Will Robinson and his that little robot. Warning, Will Robinson. Yes. That's a warning sign that you have separated yourself. You're off your path. You're walking in the brambles and they hurt. Mm-hmm. And we get over there when we get out of the present moment. So if you're in the past ruminating about what could have, would have, should have been, or you're way out in the future about, oh my God, how am I going to do blah, blah, blah. You're off the path because the path is in the now. That's the only point of power is yeah. in the present moment. So just stay in your own lane. Let everybody else be in their own lane. <laughs> yeah. And you know, my, um, my business coach and mentor jokes that she's going to have bibs printed that say I should have all over myself today. <laughs> um, and I always think about that because we live there, right? And that's one of my favorite things that people always say to me is, well, I mean, I want to do this, but I feel like I should be do this. Well, according to who? Like, and and it, it's funny because I told you I just got done doing a goal setting workshop, and somebody actually said this on the goal setting workshop. She's like, I I want to set goals in um, finance, but I think that people would say that I should set goals in career. And I said, who would say that? And she's like, well, I think everybody on this call. And so I said, raise your hand if you think that setting goals in finance or in career is what she should do. And no hands went up. And I said, are you, are you seeing this? And she's like, well, my mom's hand in heaven is up. And I'm like, there's the problem. Right. And it's always that person whose hand is up. That is that face that you see when you say, well, I should have done this yes. or I should have done that, or I should be there, or I should be farther along by now. Cause you're right. When we get rid of that should shit, yeah. then all of a sudden we can let all that go and say, okay, what am I going to do now? And should is another one of those trigger words that you can use for your, for your, in your favor. Mm -hmm. Because when you hear should, or you hear the words come out of your mouth, stop and go, Oh, what am I saying? What am I yeah. thinking? And, and go and, of course, when you first start doing this and you're paying attention, it takes you a minute or two, but you can practice it to the point where it really does not take any time out of your day. 
you automatically mm -hmm. go, oh, yeah, okay, I, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. And you just go come right back into your lane. So it's a practice to allow these thoughts. Number one, if you've never done any of this kind of work, I can guarantee you 99.9% .9 of the thoughts in your head do not belong to you. Yes. That you have drug them in here from somewhere else or they're floating around in the ethers and you're picking them up. And so now they're like, Oh, I'm a this or that and the other. Well, like you said, who says, mm -hmm. well, that's not in my head said, and you're like, well, that's yep. not trustworthy. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so true. Um, and this goes right along with what we were talking about before we started recording, which is one of the things that I really want to just dig into all the yummy goodiness of what we're going to talk about today, because we're at the time right now as we're recording this, where people are starting to set those nasty things, New Year's resolutions. They're starting to <laughs> talk about what it is that they want to do in 2024. And there's a, a meme that's been floating around for the last few years that is only funny because it's true. And it says New Year's resolutions. And it's got the list of five or six things. And then at the top, it's got like 2019. And then it's just crossed off in red. And then it says 2020. And it's crossed off in red, but nothing on the list has changed. Right. And when we talk about things like goal setting, so often we talk about smart goals and we talk about action steps and we talk about all of the strategy and the things which are incredibly important. But there's another part to it, which is where you live. And so I'd love for you, you mentioned a word when we were in the pre-recording that made my spidey senses come up and I loved it so much. And I'd love for you to start to share a little bit about how you start with people with goals because I think it's so unique. Yeah. Well, I have to laugh because I actually have a whole thing around it. Don't bother setting resolutions. So it, awful. It's, it, it's there's there's a lot of pieces to it, but the main one is this is not the time of year to set resolutions and goals. This we on the 21st, we're recording here on the 15th. So December the 21st begins its solstice. It's the first day of winter for those of us in the northern hemisphere. It is dreaming time. Mm. Imagine you're a farmer. And at this time of year, you can have all the hopes and dreams you want. Of, you're not going out and plowing that field. You're going to sit by the fire and go through the seed catalog. Yeah. And you're going to make lists of how many seeds you're going to plant and what, and all the, all the, all. So this is our dreaming time. And then another part of that I talk about is because I had it myself, a, a total aversion to goals. That smart goal, I cringe every time I hear that stupid word out oh, ah, for this very reason. But we have ourselves locked up into this piece where we cannot set goals. We cannot even imagine what we really, really, really want. Because as soon as we start doing it, our entire nervous system shuts down and it does that for a particular reason. But mm. you hear it this way. Ooh, I think I would like to 
Yeah. And how are you going to do that? Mm -hmm. Who do you think you Who are? Who do you think you are? Oh, I hate that voice. Yeah, She's I know. So that's what we, that's what our head does to ourselves. But one thing is to have a little, a little love for it because it can't help it. <laughs> it's part of your self-protection mechanism. So what we're talking about here is and we have all sorts of ways of sabotaging ourselves and you're, you're very familiar with all of them. But this what happened is somewhere in your life could have been when you were two, 10 or 12, 22 makes no difference. But there was a point in your life when you set a goal. There was something mm -hmm. you wanted. Now, it may not have been a formal goal. But there was something you wanted and you decided, I'm going to have that. And you went after it with all of your heart and you worked and you worked and people could have said to you, that ain't going to work. And you go, yes, it is. I have total faith. I know this is going to work. And you gave it your all. And then mm -hmm. something happened and it didn't work. Yeah. It broke your heart. Now, you probably, all of you have something coming into mind right now. So just take a nice deep breath. Breathe it out. It's okay. Hmm. So we'll just let some of that temper off. But what happened when your heart got broken is in your actual nervous system, you set up a protective mechanism. That now, every time you want to set a goal that has the potential of breaking your heart, you immediately shut it off. So mm -hmm. you, you can't even want the things you want. And then after year after year after year after year, you quit wanting them. So now you're just settling for whatever you've got, mm -hmm. but you're dissatisfied and it's hard to even get what you've got right now on a continuing basis because you don't want it. Yeah. Now, you might should because it would pay the bills. Yes. But you don't want it. So not only are we not shooting for the stars or, you know, shooting for the moon and landing in the stars, we're not even shooting to get off earth. So we don't get anywhere. Yeah. I find there's a couple of different parts of that that just really resonate and that mm -hmm. I see in my clients so much. And I feel mm -hmm. like it's this double-edged sword. Um, I feel like, and I'm going to age myself here. Um, <laughs> I feel like we're just Gumby, right? Do you remember the old Gumby dolls that used yeah. to twist however you wanted? Mm -hmm. And on our right side, we have... Um, my heart got broken. This idea of, I don't want to go through that again. We, we grieve the loss of that thing and that goal. Um, and then we make all of these beliefs and value judgments about who we are and why we didn't get it. And we start to figure out why we didn't deserve it and all of that stuff. That's for another conversation. <laughs> on your left side of Gumby, when you get past, okay, I can set goals. Mm -hmm. then you sit down and you say, well, I want to make this month, but I should already be doing it. And then you get pulled back and forth to mm -hmm. how big of a failure am I that this is like, I had somebody tell me the other day, 
I'm embarrassed to tell you my goals for 2024. And I said, why? What are you embarrassed about? And she says, well, I want to make six figures. And I said, okay, great. Like, let's define six figures. That's not specific, right? So we narrowed it down to 150,000. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's a fantastic goal. And she says, I've been in my field for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I should be so much farther past that. Mm-hmm. And there's that nasty S word, right? Mm-hmm. So then when that should kicks in, then we get thrown back to that other side of, well, <clears throat> what happened back then? And maybe I shouldn't even try. And then we're like, well, that's bullshit. And then we go back here and then we've got to face the reality of where we're at. And it's this constant ping pong between the two yeah. sides. And when nobody's heard this before, they end up being that ping pong ball and they just think it's normal. Yeah. And so what that comes out as, and if you're somebody who said these phrases, I'm really sorry to kick you in the balls. What it comes <laughs> out as is, I don't believe in goal setting. Oh, My favorite that I heard actually today is, I don't really think that you have to know what you want to be successful. <laughs> Good for you. Good luck getting it. Um, it seems like goals don't work for me. It sounds like... Um, I feel like setting goals is a waste of time. All of those things are the ways that we justify in our head what you're talking about, which is not addressing the underlying emotional attachment to losing something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we we have all these things that go on. So no matter what kind of a, yeah, it's real hard to hit a target if you don't have one, right? So something, we've got to have something. But I totally agree. I call it a love-hate relationship with goals. You know, we, we know we should have them, but what's the point? I'm, I'm not going to do it anyway. And so we things come up and, you know, our favorites, I call them mysterious behaviors because they're things we do during the day that at the end of the day we go, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. Why did I wander off and watch Netflix for half the day? Why did I get on that phone call with somebody? It was supposed to be three minutes and it was 30 minutes or however long. And I've just frittered my whole day away. We call it, we've labeled it procrastination. Yes. Or, and I'm always careful about this because I know it's important. Self-care. I'm taking a mental health day. Mental health days are so important when they're actually mental health days. (laughs) Yeah, when they're not sitting there beating myself up for why am I not working? I'm having a mental health day beating myself up. Because to me, that's the other big kicker. And it's especially for women. Men don't tend to do this as much. The minute we then at the end of the day, we go, oh, why did I do that? Why did I do this? Why didn't I do that? Why didn't why is my to do list twice as long as it was when I got up this morning? And there's something wrong with me. Mm. We internalize it and make it mean that there's something wrong with us. Now, in all honesty. And we're not blaming parents. One thing about this work is there's no blame. There's no blame. Shit happens. So somewhere along the line, because even our mom and our dad, who we could go, yeah, I can, yeah, yeah. They got it from their mom and dad who got it from theirs who got. So it goes way, way, way on back. But the point of it is somewhere along the trail, 
there was somebody that you did something and they didn't know any better. Or you remember being a parent, if you've ever been one, you were stretched beyond your last little nerve and you didn't say that was wrong. In the heat of the screaming banshee, they yelled, you're bad. Mm-hmm. And, and and not even like it doesn't even have to be we I had somebody isn't it crazy first of all how you can be in the most strategic conversation with somebody and then they'll call you crying and they'll be like I didn't know I needed this conversation and so I'm talking to somebody today and they said I you know I came to this wanting to set goals and now I think I need therapy and I was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa what and she said It resonated with me because one of the things that I always share is that I had a good childhood. I had a great childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents were married until my dad died when I was 18. My, I I lived in a super small town. I lived in a loving Mm -hmm. parental relationship. And so I used that because every time I would start, but I I also had shit happen. Like life happens. And so I had my trauma. I refused to acknowledge that it was trauma though, because I had a good life and I was never homeless and I was never in foster care. And I was never, you know, especially now with motivational speaking being such a booming industry and the the things that are getting the most attention is the person that was in the life of threatening car accident that had to teach themselves how to walk again. And um, that, you know, the amputee that had to go through rehab and learn how to function again. And then you have the me's of the world that Mm -hmm. had a good childhood, but maybe, you know, lost some people and have some abandonment stuff going on and, and have the decisions that we're talking about now. And we minimize that because they say, well, why the fact that I think there's anything wrong with me tells me how selfish I am because look how bad it could be. Ooh, that S word. <clears throat> uh, yeah. And then we end up beating ourselves up even more. Yeah. And so it's this like the, what I love about what you're doing so much is that every single person's experiences are theirs and theirs alone. And just because mm-hmm. somebody else may have had a really crappy experience happened to them doesn't mean that the really crappy experience that happened to you was any less impactful in oh, your yeah. life. And what I was actually talking about was just a kid who colored on the wall and the mother's had, you know, she's like, oh my God, uh, you know, yeah. that scars you. Mm-hmm. Because it's only the same way in your brain. Because this is kind of a, a hypnosis principle in a heightened state of energy, which is when an authority person is speaking to you, mm-hmm. your filters are completely open and whatever they say enters in and is planted as truth. Now, mm-hmm. as an adult, somebody says, you're bad for doing that. You're like, yeah, you're nuts. I screwed okay. up. Yeah, but I'm not bad. We have a filter there to bounce mm-hmm. that off. But underneath, so, and the other thing to what you said, which is so interesting, is how those of us who are doing well, how we guilt ourselves, because how dare I not be happy? Mm -hmm. I have this, I have that, I have the other, I have the family, I have the job, I have the blah, 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 I have it, I have it, but I'm not happy. 
I just better keep my mouth shut. And it's like, number one, if you want peace in your life, quit comparing. <laughs> you are incomparable. And whether that's up or down, just stop. Yeah. Just stop. Yeah, one of my favorite commencement addresses is from years back, and it was actually Charlie Day, um, who is in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's uh -huh. an actor. And um, one of the things that he says is people say you should do what makes you happy. And he says, I don't think you should do what makes you happy. I think you should do what makes you great. He says, because I'm not always happy. <laughs> and happy has become a swear word to me because it's that thing that gets thrown around. Well, I'm not happy. Of course, I'm not happy. I'm doing accounting. It's the end of the year. My tax, my bookkeeper needs my number. Like, of course, I'm not happy. Who sits down and says I get to run my accounts receivables? Woohoo! Right? Happiness is a choice. The thing, but it's become this illusion that we chase, and then because there's an opposite to happy. And that's sad. So then sad has become a negative that we try to avoid where sometimes sad is warranted. But then you have you get this toxic positivity culture that we live in right now, where when somebody says, you know, I'm really down today, they're like, you just you just need to be happy. Well, thanks, asshole. I appreciate you giving me <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now, and I think it's um, it, it's the definition of the word because I'm all about happy. Well, I'm a I'm a twelve twelve baby, so that's double threes. Mm -hmm. I, I yes. is what it is, but it is not the external. I got mm -hmm. flowers, so I'm happy. I didn't get any flowers. I'm not happy. No, it's it's the happy that is the vibration at the peak of the vibrational scale right up there with love and peace. I am happy because that's my essence. Mm. And so everything can be falling down around me. I can feel the feelings of sadness and still be happy mm. because it's a, it's a core essence energy not a fleeting thing, but if, if no matter where you are in your life, if what you're doing is not giving you, so we'll add some words to the happy is not satisfying your soul. Mm -hmm. And you feel like you are not doing what you came here to do. You're, you're just, I don't know, marking time because you should, because you spent however many years it is to take you to get to where you're at, reevaluate. <laughs> yeah. Pause a minute. And Wait, see. slow down? Mm -hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. Slow down. No, I, I think it's so incredibly important. Um, <laughs> which leads me directly into, I mentioned it kind of in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I want to go a little bit deeper in it because my audience, a lot of them are familiar with the life wheel. I talk about it a lot. It's where I start all of my coaching clients at. Are you familiar the life with wheel. the wheel of life? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it's where I start all my clients at. And I, I tell this story because 
number one, it's hilarious. And number two, it fits directly into what we're talking about. So the first time anybody ever handed me a life wheel, I was in therapy. I was upset because my life wasn't where it should have been. And I felt like a failure. And I just wanted somebody to tell me the nine keys to success in checkbox form so that I could mark them off and be successful. So you could control them. Yes, exactly. And so she gives me this life wheel. And it's got career. And I'm like, okay, I can deal with that. It's got health. And I'm like, okay, I can deal with that. And then it's got this fucking spirituality word. And I'm like, so I raised my hand, no joke. I raised my hand and I said, what do, what do we do if something on the wheel doesn't apply to us? And she says, what do you think doesn't apply to you? And I said, spirituality, like I don't need nor want any of that. And she just looks at me and she goes, and starting to see the source of some of the problems. <laughs> um, if you feel like you want to replace it with something, it's your life, right? And so I did. I knocked, I replaced it and knocked it out with like fun or or um, something. Mm -hmm. That passed forward, fast forward about two and a half years when I finally started getting down to the layer of the onion that was ready to deal with the trauma from coming from a very guilt and shame-based religion. Mm -hmm. And when I started healing was the moment that I started saying, oh, wait a second, that spirituality thing. Like maybe that's what's missing. Let me explore that. Mm -hmm. And I love this conversation because I feel like too many people take spirituality and religion and they put them in the same bucket. Yeah. And then when they get burned by religion, they push off spirituality, which is exactly what I did. Yeah. So for you, I would love to know how you define spirituality mm -hmm. and what a spirituality practice looks like for you as somebody who is a very goal-centered, high-performing person that takes action steps and doesn't just say, well, let us pray. <laughs> what? What's interesting is I don't consider myself a very uh, a goal setting high productive person. So thank you. I will take I will take that. I too came out of um, religion, a religion, and um, it defined me. It was my whole identity, um, and that particular religion, which I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. Um, I mean it saved my life. When I was 16, I don't remember what had just happened at my house, <laughs> but I remember driving to work and I was, we had a, there was an overpass kind of, not real high, but there was a road under the road and I was crying so hard. I could, I couldn't hardly see to drive, but I remember all I was saying was at least Jesus loves me. At least Jesus loves me. At least Jesus loves me. And I know to, oh, I have goosebumps everywhere. I know to the depth of my being that if I had not had that, I would have literally drove, driven right off that and been the end of it. So it was here for a purpose and for a time. But yes, the um, fact, one of the anthologies that I've written, I've written four in four different anthologies. And one of them, the title of my chapter is when I took hell off the table as an option, my entire life opened up. Oh my gosh. I love that. Because everything I remember hearing um, Billy Graham one time say, 
uh, it was toward the end of his life. If y'all don't know who he is, he was kind of up there in the Christian religion. And uh, I mean, he was like the pastor to 12 different presidents and just, just all in all. And the most wonderful man there was, there really wasn't any, uh, you know, baggage in his closet. But in this conversation with him, somebody said, you know, about when you get to heaven. And he says, well, um, when I get to heaven, I am just hoping that the Lord says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I went, what? If you're still doubting it, there is no hope for me whatsoever. And that was a moment where I began to crack this nut that living your life with this idea that it, well, okay, I have to confess, this was one of the ways my mother disciplined us and kept us under control. <laughs> um, there were three of us under five. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, the old, other one came later. Um, was if you just got on her last nerve, she would say, do that again and you're getting a black, God's putting a black mark by your name. Oh, no. Now, I went, because of who I am, I went to, okay, and how many black marks do I get before what happens? So you can see how this colored, this whole, everything was done. So then that led into people-pleasing it led into twisting myself into a pretzel to make sure mm. everyone around me was happy that everything was controlled because if I didn't, I could get a black mark. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, spirituality is a conscious connection to that, that created me. At times I call it all that is, the universe, the, uh, the, the overall, someone has that acronym for God as the grand overall designer. But there, there is a part of me, a very large part of me, my soul that is still out in the ethers. And so I am a spiritual being. I don't hold as much with the, I'm a human, a spiritual being having a human experience. <laughs> I don't, I, I mean, I believe that's true, but I think it's more than that. I am 100% human and 100% spirit. Mm. And my spirit is what enlivens my human body. And my human body is what lets me have the ride of being here on earth. That's where the fun is. That's where we're just playing and experimenting and taking the universe past where it's ever been before. And that relationship, religion, if you're familiar with Abraham Hicks, but I love what they said. They said, someone asked us once, can they share our teachings with their friends? And we say, of course you may. That would be wonderful. Just do not tell them that you have to think this way. Mm -hmm. Or now you have created us into a religion. And we would not love that. It's so interesting. Because that really is the difference, right? When I started um, re-exploring 
spirituality. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't yet separated spirituality and religion. So I didn't know how to accomplish that connection without the organized religion. I found a non-denominate, well, it's not non-denominational, it was Christian, but it was non um, secular, I guess, yeah. is the better way to put it. They, they, um, yeah, they're, they're more accepting. <laughs> yeah. And um, I something called, I had been on the fence for going for a while and something called me to go and I walk in and they were starting a new six week series. Now I had just done by this point in time, 17, 18, 19, 21, four to five years of mindset, NLP, reprogramming, mm -hmm. trauma work, all of the things to get to the point where I was willing to even consider walking back into church. Mm -hmm. And so the, the reflection of who you were when you made decisions and all of that stuff was something that's very dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. So I walk in and they had just started a brand new six week series and it was called letters to your former self. Uh and I just started bawling. And it was like, if that's not some sort of spiritual divine intervention, I don't know what it is. Absolutely. So then I go sit down and I'm feeling a little out of place because I've been in church for the first time in God only knows how many years. And there's like this full rock band playing, which we do hymns and you're very prim and proper and like fun's not allowed and there will be no laughter. So when... Um, the pastor gets up and starts talking. He goes to start his sermon and he gets three or four words in and then he stops. And he says, I don't know why I'm supposed to say this, but I'm very clear on the fact that I'm supposed to tell you that if you're here today and you don't know what you believe, that's okay. And this is the place that you get to come to figure it out. And I felt this whole pressure lift off of me. That acceptance of saying, even if you don't believe everything that we believe, you're still welcome in this building. Yes. Because the religion that I came from was, you, you don't ask questions. Yep. And what do you mean you don't know what you believe? We just told you what you believe. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And that's the basis of everything else. And so when you say, you know, you're welcome to share with people what it is you've learned. Just don't tell them they should act this way because that makes us a religion. I've never heard it described that way before. And yet it makes so much perfect sense yeah. to me. Well, I know for me, because um, it it's it is a road out of that. And so, you know, I just totally had to separate myself because and because of that training that, you know, whatever it is, oh, oh God, here we're back to control. But it's, <laughs> it's, this, it's this idea of what I've been taught is the truth. And it is my job on earth to make everyone mm. else understand that and believe it. And it took a long time for me to get stable enough in what I believe so that I do not, I don't argue with anyone. And when I talk with people and share with them and I'm like, this is my truth in this moment. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow morning, I could literally wake up and the universe says, or spirit or God says, you know, we revised that since last <laughs> night. And now I'm able to go, cool. 
Yeah. Whole new, but it took me years. And this goes back to our goals because that whole framework, I could not change my mind because it meant that everything before that I had been wrong. Mm-hmm. That I, I died before I admitted I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, did I say that? Well, I probably believed it back then. <laughs> yep, that's who I was three months ago, but today. Um, so holding everything loosely, and I just, which is one reason I haven't been back to religion. Um, or an organized religions is because I'm not, I just don't put myself around people who are going to insist on me changing my mind. Mm-hmm. And no, there's plenty of p- other people I can play with. I don't, I don't need yeah. to go. I'm not here to fight. I'm not apostolizing. I'm not trying to make you change your opinion. And would you do me the grand courtesy of not wanting me to change mine. Yeah. I love this conversation for a multitude of reasons and tying it back into what we started talking about in the beginning with these goal setting and goal trauma that exists is these are all the things that we're talking about. All of the things that we don't always think about, excuse me, that you have that aversion to. So when you go to sit down and you go to write goals and then you get that pit in your stomach when you have to talk about that one thing, what is that? Because that's the thing that's holding you back. And so it may seem like a conversation that goes deep into religion and spirituality and trauma and all of these things is completely unrelated to goal setting. And the problem is that it's the most related and nobody's talking about it. Yes. So if you're, you're, how can you even allow yourself to want what you really, really want if on top of that are these layers of who you should be, how you should act, what you should think, what are other people going to say or think about me? When you, you, you can't even get in touch with what your heart really wants. Mm-hmm. And now you're out there. Oh, and we talked about being productive because for me, I'm in touch with and in tune with my soul. So I look at my to-do list, which actually is a list of everything that I could possibly ever do. That has been, I have made, but it's different. It's not so much just, it's a list that I made turning it over to the universe to take care of it. Okay. So that when I look at the list and I'm like, oh, I want to make that phone call. It's because the person is going to actually be in the office and be in a good mood when I call them Mm. because the universe has brought all the cooperative parts together and there'll be days I'll be going to say, you know, I really think I ought to do that. I'm like, no. Okay. You know, I think I really ought to do that. Mm, No. Okay. Because when it finally goes, oh yeah. Okay. I'm going to do that today. It's like this. It flows. It's done. Mm-hmm. I could have. So I here's another one of my witticisms y'all can take with you. I believe that we are all going to end up 
where our soul needs to go. We're all here growing into and expanding into this beings. We're going to get there. Free will and choice is, are you going to flow there or are you going to get pulled there through mm. the knot hole backwards? Either way, oh. you're going. <coughs> going to do it easy or are you going to do it hard? And that's where, like, the work you do and the work I do, we help people see there is a choice. You don't, you don't earn more brownie points for doing things the hard way. You don't? No, I'm yeah. sorry to tell you. <laughs> I'm so sad. Um, I just love the approach that you take to this. And I think that you bring such a, and it's going to sound weird when I say this, but I promise it's a compliment. You bring a lighthearted, because none of this conversation has been lighthearted, but the way that you approach it is this welcoming, lighthearted, um, zero judgment place of saying, we're going to talk about your goals, but we're going to talk about why you don't think you deserve them first. So let's go there. I think that you're right. The work that we both do is done so differently. And this is why I love this space so much. When I, I was I was in a training and someone says, I met one of your competitors. And I said, no, you didn't. No, I don't know. What do you mean? And I said, you can only have competitors if you believe in competition. Yeah. And I don't. And the reason I don't is because you and I could both go post I'm doing a goal setting workshop or goal setting challenge. And if people buy those, they're going to get two very different experiences from you than from me. And you're going to attract different people than I attract. And people need to hear this because one, the number one thing I hear from entrepreneurs is I wanted to build this. And then I realized somebody else already sold something similar. Good and for them. I go, hallelujah. That means yeah. there's a market for it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Go do it. So my audience hears me a lot and we talk about some of these same things. And if you're listening and anything that's been said you, has caused you to think of something differently, then reach out and have a conversation with Roz. Because my biggest goal in life is not that every single person that listens to this podcast work with me. My biggest goal in life is to make sure that every single person that listens to this podcast works with somebody that resonates to them. Yeah. So if somebody's listening and saying, I really, really, really want to continue this conversation with Roz, what is the best way for them to reach out to you? And how can they learn more about what it is they might not know about themselves? Yeah. So I'm at sacredlifemastery.art. Because okay. mastering your, you are a sacred being and mastering your life is an art. Mm -hmm. It takes practice and it's beautiful and it's messy and it's fun and delightful. And I have a, a present for everyone because we were, we've been talking we about trauma and I put together an assessment. In 10 minutes or less, you'll know if you are being bothered by goal trauma. And that's on the website right there at the top. Or you can get there through sacredlifemastery.art forward slash assessment. And I welcome you all to do that. There's also a place to have an absolutely free conversation with me. You can fill out for that on the front page of the website. I love that. So we'll have all of that in the show notes for anybody who's interested. 
Roz, I've really enjoyed our time together. Thank you so much for carving time out of your schedule to be able to connect and be on the show. And thank you for sharing so much of your valuable insight with those who are listening. Well, thank you. And thank you for being a wonderful question asker. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you pull things out. So <laughs> it has been fun.